If you're here this morning and that is one of your main objections with Christianity, I want to start off by thanking you for taking the time to at least explore this question a little more deeply. And really, before going on and, and trying to say some other stuff, I want to acknowledge that sometimes, a bit like Gemma was saying, people's treatment by the church has been appalling, awful, heartbreaking, and downright inexcusable. Probably some of you here today, a bit like Gemma, with very legitimate, very reasonable objections to the Christian faith because of the way that you have been treated by the church. I don't know, maybe you personally can resonate with some of the things that Gemma said. Maybe you have been hurt by the actions of other Christians. And I get it. If that is your objection, I at least in some way understand it. It was Gandhi who famously said to some of the Christians who he knew, look, I don't reject your Christ. I love your Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. It's no surprise that people reject the so-called good news of the Christian message because it doesn't seem to be such good news when we see apparent frauds and charlatans who say one thing in public in the name of Christ and in private are living in a completely different way themselves. I admit sometimes how we Christians have behaved has been awful. And if you personally have suffered in any way at the hands of the church or Christians, if it means anything, please accept my sincerest apologies. And hopefully, I'll be able to at least slightly redress the balance in what I say in the next few minutes. And so, all that being said, I just want to lob out there some common assumptions, things I've often heard people say about Christians. Maybe you'll be able to relate to some of these assumptions. Number one, the church is meant to be about love and kindness and tolerance. Anyone agree with that? The church is meant to be about love, kindness, tolerance. Anyone agree with that? Yeah, a few kind of tentative hands. I think the subtext to that assumption is that you are meant to accept me for who I am, even if that differs from what you believe. And if you don't like it, you are not to point it out in any way or show your disapproval. Assumption number two. The church is meant to have integrity. It's to be a moral compass with standards and authenticity. Anyone agree with that? Yeah, a few people. And a grunt of affirmation there as well. I think the subtext here is that you Christians are meant to be beyond reproach. You're supposed to practice what you preach. It's like you set the standard and are then expected to live by your standards. And if you slip from those standards, well, you deserve all the abuse and criticism you get. Third assumption, all Christians are probably hypocrites. Anyone agree with that one? Not so sure on that one. Well, without wishing to offend or alienate anyone in the room more than I need to, I'd probably tend to agree with all of those statements, at least in part. To say all Christians are hypocrites is probably true at least some of the time. But I guess 
it does all hinge on what we mean by hypocrisy. So, very quickly, let me try and bring a little bit of clarity and definition to what a hypocrite is and what a hypocrite isn't, because I think there's perhaps a little bit of fuzziness and confusion about this. So, what is a hypocrite? Well, you may or may not be aware of this, but the origins of the word hypocrite actually lie in the world of Greek theatre. Literally, it means a mask wearer. Someone would would be on the stage and they'd be wearing a mask. It was a persona that they were trying to portray to others. Now, if you read the Bible, you'll see that Jesus got hold of this theatrical term and he completely redefined it. He got hold of it and started to use it in the whole religious arena. Because, as we're going to see, I think it's fair to say Jesus hated mask-wearing fakes. Let me just give you some examples from the Bible. This is Matthew chapter 7. Jesus speaking says this, How can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of that little speck in your eye when you cannot see past the great whopping big log, I did that little bit for extra effect, when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite, says Jesus. First of all, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Later on in chapter 23 of the same book, Jesus said this, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee! First, wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. I think it's fair to say, Jesus felt pretty strongly about this, didn't he? It's like Jesus took this word from the theatre and completely gave it a whole new meaning, and the word was never the same again. Now, just imagine how appalling it is then that the very thing that Jesus loathed with a vengeance is the very thing that so often is associated with the movement, the church that he came to launch. How tragic is that? When people present one image in public, but are completely different in private. When people criticise others for things that they themselves are doing. That is hypocrisy, and that is wrong. But here's what hypocrisy isn't. Hypocrisy isn't when someone fails your expectation of perfection, when someone falls short of your standards. Hypocrisy isn't about catching others out whenever they make a mistake. A Christian making a mistake isn't hypocrisy, 
it's a mistake. Now, just for the sake of clarity, so you know, I love Helen, my wife, and I love my family dearly. Okay, so you've got that, just in case you were wondering. I love my wife, I love my family dearly. But, for the sake of transparency, sometimes, I think it's probably fair to say, I get ever so slightly impatient and even occasionally angry, and I express my impatience and my anger to my family in a way that isn't completely God-honoring. Other times, there are jealousies and there are insecurities that come out of me when other people get recognition and I don't. What's I got to admit? There are times when I'm prone to pride. Sometimes I have to battle my sexual desires like many of you do, even on a daily basis. Sometimes I'm paid to read the Bible and pray. It's my job. Sometimes I'm still apathetic in my relationship with God. Currently, I'm on a diet again because over Christmas I ate slightly more than I was intending to. I also need to admit, for the sake of complete integrity, that I've pretty much stolen all the good points in this talk from a good friend of mine. Now, I've just pretty much listed all the seven deadly sins, just like that. And they're just some of the things I end up doing on a pretty regular basis. If you spent any amount of time with me or sat down and chatted with Helen, you'd soon realise how far short I fall of what is the expected standard. The question is, does that make me a hypocrite? Well, if being a follower of Jesus means that I have to be perfect, then hands up, yes, I'm a hypocrite. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. You see, what's the opposite of hypocrisy? I suggest the opposite of hypocrisy isn't perfection. The opposite of hypocrisy is authenticity and genuineness. Honest transparency, not controlled appearance. Living without the mask. See, a hypocrite is someone pretending to be something or someone that they're not. So if a Christian claims to be perfect, to be morally superior in some way, then they're being a fake. That is hypocrisy. Basically, Jesus' teaching is this. He tells us to love God, to seek God, and to keep it real. But you don't have to be perfect to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, don't pretend that you are perfect. Because the moment you start pretending you've got everything right, everything sorted, I'd suggest that's the moment that hypocrisy starts to creep in. 1 John in the Bible says this, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. A Christian author called Philip Yancey wrote a book called What is So Amazing About Grace? And in that book, he comes to the conclusion that there were basically two groups of people that Jesus ever interacted with. The first group of people were the sinners who knew it. The second group were sinners who denied it. Now, for that first category of people, the sinners who knew it, 
Whenever they interacted with Jesus, there was grace, there was acceptance, there was forgiveness, there was tolerance, there was compassion, there was a welcome with arms open wide. But to the second group of people, those who denied their sin or their wrongdoing, Jesus, as we've seen, confronted and challenged their hypocrisy head on. You see, the Christian life isn't all about pretending that we've got it all together. In fact, it's the exact opposite. We're all in the same boat, all of us, all, if you like, in the same hospital with the same sin sickness, all desperately needing treatment. The only difference is that some of us have accepted the treatment that Jesus is offering. And so, if you feel this morning like there's no way that you could ever become a Christian because you're not perfect, I just want to put it out there that that is a misunderstanding of what Christianity is actually all about. Some people say, look, the the reason I don't want to become a Christian is because I know I could never be good enough. But the very essence of what Christianity is all about is it's people who recognize they're not perfect. As we're hearing earlier in the worship that, in a sense, we're, we're broken, but that in his grace, Jesus has made a way for us to know him regardless, for our brokenness to be put back together again. And with his help, we're now in the process of change. So, as I stand here in front of you, am I perfect? No. As I look back over the last five, ten years of my life, have I changed for the better? Absolutely. I'm not there yet, but I'm in the process of change. I know that my life has changed and is still changing. Does that make me a counterfeit? Does that make me a fraud? I'll let you be the judge of that. Uh, But authenticity is all about honest transparency. And the Christian life isn't marked by perfectionism, but transformation. It's a life under new management. It's submitting to the lordship of Jesus in every area of your life and becoming more and more like him. A hypocrite says one thing and does another because they don't really care and they don't want to try. But becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Jesus, means committing to a lifetime of life change, following a different leader, Jesus. And we cannot and must not ignore that this is a process. And so when we see someone who perhaps claims to be a Christian do something wrong, we shouldn't judge them on that moment. We should look at where they have come from and the transformation that's taken place from where they were to the place they are today. Let me read you another story from the Bible. It's found in Luke's Gospel and chapter 5. Later on, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And so Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Later on, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honour. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. 
But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Now, what do we see from that story? Well, for starters, the people with the bad reputation were included. And the people with the good, moral, upright, religious reputation who were hiding behind a mask suddenly find themselves outside in the cold. Now, if we follow that through, what do we end up with in our context today? Well, the church really should be full of misfits who can't quite believe their luck. It's like Charlie Bucket from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory getting the golden ticket and winning an invite to the Chocolate Factory. It's like people who thought they had no hope of getting in suddenly finding out they're not just invited but that they've been donated the whole factory as well. That's pretty much the essence of the Christian faith. People who can't quite believe their luck that Jesus has come along and invited them to the party. Now as a result of that, the church community is always going to be messy. Why? Because it's, it's full of messy people. It's no wonder then that people in churches sometimes do say one thing and don't always mean it. And sometimes act in one way that isn't consistent with the Christian faith. Why? Because of the very nature of the people who come along. People who do make mistakes. But also understand that they are on a journey of transformation. You're getting the message. Christianity is not about perfection. It's about understanding that someone was willing to step into our life and help us out of the mess that we've got ourselves into. The bottom line is, sick people need doctors. And we all desperately need to remove the mask and get ourselves into recovery. Now, I know that... Perhaps this sounds like I'm excusing and covering up bad behaviour. I'm not wanting to do that. As I said already, some of the things that have been done under the banner of Christianity over the years is just wrong. Not excusing abuse and intolerance. Any other wrongs that have happened in churches. But I reckon that sometimes there's behaviour in our own life that we tolerate but we are intolerant towards other people's behaviour. Maybe where this becomes most apparent in my life is when I'm driving. Like, when I'm driving and I'm behind someone who's kind of driving at 10 miles an hour and is indicating left and then veering to the right and slowing down. And I mean, I can be the most intolerant driver. I mean, why are they even on the road? I mean, they should work out where they're going first and then get on the road. I mean, why hold everyone else up? I can think those kind of thoughts. I mean, it's outrageous, I know. It's all coming out today. However, when I'm driving in a, a completely different place and I don't know where I'm going, I'm the one indicating left and veering to the right and slowing down. And, 
And of course that's understandable. I've never been there before. I don't know where I'm going. Why is everyone else hooting me and flashing at me? I mean, just be patient. Just chill out. I'm just trying to get where I'm with. Just leave me alone. I can be way more judgmental of others than I am of myself. Jesus said it should be the other way around. We should be ruthless with sin in our own life and we should believe the best of others. Jesus actually raised the bar on this, not lowered it. Jesus said, you know how in the Old Testament it says, don't murder? Well, actually, if you get angry, that's the equivalent of murder. You know how in the Old Testament it says, do not commit adultery? Well, I don't even want you looking lustfully at someone because it's as though you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus substantially raised the bar on our behavior. His expectations were way higher. But at the same time, Jesus wasn't imposing on us a perfectionism to something we couldn't attain. He wanted us to be real in this. He wants us to aim for holiness, but recognize we're on a journey in this. You know, I love the fact that Jesus had this reputation for loving sinners. But I think the church tends to love the righteous, those who have the appearance of getting it right. And perhaps we can push away those who we deem as the sinners. Listen, as a church, we're to be a community that is so overwhelmingly welcoming to anyone and everyone so that people can come along and say, you know what, there's a love within that community that just makes me want to come back to it again. Now for Jesus, being a friend of sinners didn't merely mean he loved a good party. It didn't mean he turned a blind eye to the behavior of the people around him. No, he welcomed sinners, he loved them, he let them come as they were, but he also challenged their behavior. Why? Because, in all honesty, if you continue to live like that, it's not the best way to live. You'll end up harming yourself and harming others. And because I care for you and because I love you, I've got to point that out to you. I've got to challenge that behavior. And somehow, these people weren't offended by Jesus. They turned and they changed. They, they embarked on a process of transformation. There was something about the welcome and the love, the acceptance, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of Jesus that helped them to become the people they were created to be. As you read the New Testament, as you read the stories of Jesus interacting with people, how do people react to all of this? Well, some people absolutely changed. Other people crucified him for it, literally. It's interesting that the chief supporters of the death of Jesus were the very people he was confronting with their hypocrisy. And Jesus hated it, which is why it's tragic that hypocrisy is so often closely attached to the church, his representatives here on earth. Don't know what you think. I'd humbly suggest if we have known forgiveness, we should show forgiveness to others. If we have been on the receiving end of the kindness of God, we will be incredibly quick to show kindness to others. 
If we have understood and experienced the acceptance of God, we will be very quick to show acceptance to others. If we know that we are not judged by God, then we won't be quick to judge others. But if you're here today and you've experienced the opposite of that, if you've known the heartache, the pain of being rejected or abused by the church, as a result, maybe you've almost given up on the church, given up looking into who Jesus is, my simple appeal to you today would be to look first to Jesus, not the people who follow him. Let me close with this. I grew up as a teenager uh, back in the 1980s. And one of the best bands back then were a band called U2. Some of you may have heard of them. And one of the best songs that I would suggest that they ever wrote was a song called Pride in the Name of Love. Some of you, judging by the puzzled expressions, uh, haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. Um, Well, I want you to imagine that tomorrow, by chance of absolute coincidence, you hear that the local school is putting on a show and a group of 12-year-olds from the school are going to be performing Pride in the Name of Love by you 2 And simply on the strength of my recommendation this morning, you decide, you know what, I'm going to go along and have a listen, see what Jonathan is talking about. Now, how do you feel as you, you take your front row seat, full of anticipation, full of expectation, when this ramshackle bunch of 12-year-olds come onto stage and absolutely butcher the song. Well, you go away thinking that you two were absolutely rubbish and any bit of respect you might have had for me, well, it's left in shreds. Listen, there are millions of people walking around playing a bad replica of who Jesus is. But please don't get put off by how we've failed. You need to listen to the original. Don't judge the original by the cover version, get to know Jesus himself. Some of you, if you've been deeply wounded by Christians, others of you become deeply disillusioned because of the church. This hypocrisy is an easy excuse for you to just dismiss, dismiss outright the claims of Christianity. But I hope you're smarter than that. You see, Christians will disappoint, but Jesus never will. So whatever's happened... Whatever perhaps has caused you pain, whatever's gone on in the past, and although, honestly, many of those things cannot be excused, my plea as I finish is to look at Jesus, the original, and get to know him for yourself.